Okay, episode 34, this one is going to be hot. Hot. John Bostock, Truman's. The dude is funny. If you haven't been following him and his, uh, and his co-founder, uh, then you are missing out. Stephen Clear, Next Level Marketing, is also on the show. He knows his stuff. John, we go right into it. We're talking cleaning. We're getting after it. Give it to us. What's the story? You know, the story is I happen to find the dirtiest co-founder in the industry. <laughs> and uh, we, we, were, we were working for a company called Big Ass Fans. And, and not only was he a guy that would make me laugh in meetings. And when I say that, he'd like literally send me texts to try to get me to laugh out loud. So I knew this was a guy that I wanted to start a company with. And we looked at cleaning, just an incredibly messed up category. Uh, so we, we decided to do that together. So you're looking to clean things up. Uh, give, what's Truman's? Where did Truman's, the name, come from? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, look, we saw two big issues in cleaning. One was on the technology side, just when you think about shipping products that are 98% water, that makes no sense, right? But then on the branding side, we wanted to actually clean up the industry. You get it, Mark? Yeah. We wanted it. to clean up the industry with better formulas. And look, the reality is any brand that relies on being green isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to have lasting power. Right. And so what we wanted to do was create a brand that people could connect with on a human level, a brand that kind of spoke to people as though they're, they're real people. And so uh, the name Truman's was born internally. Uh, Alex and I just loved the brand, loved what it represented. Give us three things that you like about Alex. <laughs> Number one, he makes me laugh. I mean, that is, and if you follow our content on LinkedIn, right? I mean, I, I, I laugh out loud. That is all improv. So number one, he makes me laugh. Number two, he makes me laugh. And number three, occasionally he brings value to the company. I like that. Third one is always a value add. Uh, <laughs> give context to the actual product line. Let's yeah. take three products. Tell us what they are. And how did you even get into creating them? Right, you didn't have the the experience in, let's say, cleaning supplies. You had to find a co-packer and the like. Give give that to us. Yeah. So you know, when you think about cleaning, I mentioned that part being broken related to the supply chain. So if you look at all the big brands, you know, Windex, Clorox, etc. What they're doing is they're shipping ready-to-use formulas. So what that means is, by the time it gets to the retail shelf, it's a product that's sitting there and it's filled 98% water. It's very costly to manufacture it, very costly to move it through the supply chain, and ultimately the consumer loses. So our flagship product is a simplification of that category. So we offer four cleaners for your entire house in concentrate form. So what that means is 75% less plastic, 70% less supply chain burden. The whole system is much more efficient. So we're able to deliver higher quality, at a better price, which is which I think when you do that in a category, you win. Now, we also offer laundry, uh, dish, and, and a really amazing toilet product called uh, Reporting for Duty. And what's simple and more sustainable about those categories is we're using better packaging, packaging that's optimized for the supply chain, right? So we didn't start with this idea that we were gonna sit on the retail shelf. 
we said, how do we make it so it's easy to ship? And obviously, if it's easy to ship, we can win in an omni-channel way. You'll have to go online, folks, and check it out so you have context as to what he's talking about, whereas there's a concentrate that goes within a bottle. It's very cool. Uh, I don't believe I'd seen it before. So um, again, check, check that out. Let's talk about your distribution strategy. Pre-March even, was this a direct-to-consumer play? And is there evolution to retail if there isn't already? Yeah, so right now we are 100% direct-to-consumer. And we wanted to do that because we knew this is a technology. So when you think about concentrates, which you mentioned, concentrates mostly exist for businesses. So if you were to go into the back room at a Starbucks or Chipotle, that's where you'll see them. For consumers, this is new. And we felt that having a direct relationship with customers to help them really understand the experience was the right way to launch the company. Look, as you both know, and you both are experts in retail, it's inevitable that we'll be on the shelf. But I think what's important to us is to sell direct now. And look, through COVID, it has been amazing. It's been extraordinary because when you look at our ability to serve during COVID, number one, when you have a more efficient supply chain, you're able to move products faster, you're able to manufacture them faster, and you don't, you don't run out of stock. And so I think it's proving to be a very effective business model. John, uh, don't ever tell me I'm an expert at anything uh, because that's false. Um, I mean, I, I can, I can help you with the bench press. You Mark, you told, me, you told me to say, I got, it, I got the email. It said, make sure you, you tell my listeners I'm an expert. I said something else. It was about something else. It wasn't about it wasn't about retail. This is getting out, this is getting out of hand. All right, let's talk price points. Um, when you are coming up with a strategy for those that are in, you know, directly, you know, they want to get into CPG, there has to be a strategy, especially you guys coming from, you know, having this experience, understanding margin and, and the like. How did you come up with that? How did you formulate that? Yeah, super, super tough, right? And, and here's the bottom line. We're in a category where there's a lot of legacy brands, just like food. And when you think about a customer walking into the retail store, they assume those brands are quality. So it's kind of hard to prosecute a case around that Windex doesn't work effectively. Windex has been around, I think, for what, 1,000, 2,000 years collecting dust. And so the bottom line with our pricing strategy is what we try to do is tell a story around we work just as good as the brands you know. We happen to provide a better value. And so we, we really try not to prosecute a case of better performing. And look, we've got the data that says we perform better. But that's a tough, that's a tough kind of mountain to climb. And so we allow our pricing strategy simply to be more competitive. And then we win customers back with a great product. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I would assume uh, I talked about pre-March, uh, talking COVID, talking cleaning, talking, uh, you know, anything from, from hand sanitizing to washing down your, your counters at home to like you're saying, you, you got some toilet stuff going on here. <laughs> Do, did you see an immediate lift post-March and has that sustained? Well, I'll tell you, I, you know, if, if, uh, if our product sales indicate what's going on in people's homes, a lot of people are going to the bathroom. Our, 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 our reporting for duty product is, is really um, surprising. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's selling extraordinarily well. And if you look at kind of middle of COVID and now 
um, it continues to just outperform. And um, it's really amazing to see. I think, you know, when you've got a direct business, you can kind of see these trends in real time. Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing um, that, that people are loving the duty. Very cool. Now, what is the product? We were talking so vague about it. I mean, you know, what, give it to us. Give us a little, yeah, little information so, so, here. Yeah, so basically, if you think about cleaning, right, and you think about cleaning a toilet, it's typically really disgusting and really messy. You've got some bottle of, of chemical that you're kind of pouring in, and then you put it back under a counter. The whole action is just nasty. And so what we did is said, look, cleaning is best when it's easy to use. So we have a single pod drop that you throw in the toilet. And then you simply clean it and it doesn't have the harsh chemical smells it does have some disinfecting qualities but you're not dealing with an overpowering bleach like experience cleaning your toilet and you're not having to, <laughs> to touch this nasty thing of plastic that you kind of put in the toilet and then you put back under the sink and you do it again it's super gross so we've, we've effectively solved it from a shipping perspective a use case perspective you drop it in and you clean it's it's pretty easy Got it. Yeah, you should see the a kid's bathroom downstairs at my house. Um, often the toilet isn't even flushed, so we'd have to work on that first before there's any sort of uh, other sort of droplets that go in. Um, but that's that's a second item. Uh, let's talk about the evolution of the brand as far as growth. Um, I'll first talk about people. Can you get a brand like yours started with just two people, yourself and Alex, and, and divvying up, splitting up what it is that you do. And if you wouldn't mind, get, give it to us. You know, what, what does John do and what does Alex yeah. do? Yeah, so it's an awesome question because I think we both complement each other. And so I think for the most part, partnerships can be tough. Um, people have different perspectives and different takes on the way the world works, but he really, we, we both have different skill sets and when it comes together, it works really well. So I'll kind of start with that. But if you look at the evolution of the company, we really got, you know, an unexpected round of luck from people in our network. So when we, when we sold the company, Big Ass Fans, a lot of people were interested to know what we were doing next. When we announced this idea, this idea of Truman's, uh, we, we had effectively a, a pretty significant um, influx of, of interest and, and kind of, we, we went viral on LinkedIn, which was insane. I think people fell in love with just the witty nature of, of the company. And so there were a lot of things very early on that surprised us. And I think that it really, because of that, it allowed for Alex to kind of do what he does best, which is tell <laughs> incredibly funny stories through uh, the interpretation of our product. And then it allowed me to do what I do best, which is really work with potential investors, uh, potential partners who can really help grow the company. And so what in the beginning was this idea and we we're working together on the idea. And then we kind of took off so quick that we kind of had to each get in our lane and our, in our lane of what does really well. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great answer. Uh, for, for those watching as far as having a co-founder or a partner that you're starting with or going it alone, I've, I've been sort of lucky and unlucky to do it both, you know, to do both. Um, you, you, you can find value in both. There is value in both. Um, if you find an amazing partner who offsets you and can do all of those things that you can't do, tremendous, tremendous value, you will get over hurdles a lot faster. Um, moving on to what does the brand look like? 
in, I would normally say 12 months because that's what I normally do. But I, you know, this has a, this is a powerful platform. I mean, I'm serious. I, yeah. I think you guys have a powerful platform and it's in such a gigantic, all the categories are gigantic, I, but this is a big category. And there are like in other categories, there's a lot of legacy brands and you give homage to them. Like you kind of say like, you know, like the Winnixes of the world, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're legacy, right? They, they're, they're going to be there. Um, what does it look like in 36 months? I think it's going to look drastically different, Mark. I'm, you know, look, if there's one thing that we've realized with COVID, it's that supply chain matters. And the biggest retailers in the world are having supply chain problems. So when you, when you put yourself in a situation where you're relying on product that is not optimized, and what I mean is the bottle of Windex, if you can ship it in concentrate form that is a fraction of the size, you're ultimately going to have to go in that direction. You cannot continue to ship products inefficiently. We see that in a lot of different categories. You can pick almost any category and say, how did it survive in a COVID-based world? If it didn't do well, that means the category is going to look different. I, I, I firmly believe most categories will be put in concentrate form, which allows for more efficiency on the manufacturing side, more efficiently getting from point A to point B, and ultimately a better value for consumers. That's a really amazing answer. And, and you know, for us, right, in my mind, as you're explaining it, I'm going, wouldn't that be so cool if you could somehow send some uh, puffs uh, to a home in concentrate form? You know, maybe there's a small extruder that they could have in a home. Not, not really. That, that's not coming anytime well, soon. But you know what, Mark? Here's the. Here, you know, I don't about, say it because I'm going to take. I'll tr I'll train no, right listen, after just, this thing, dude. I'm going to try. I'm sure. Yo. So check this out, man. I talk about it in my book. There was once a day where people were shipping the air bubbles. You know when you get a package yes. it's wrapped in air. Well, yes. there were companies that were shipping that, and then they said, "Wait a minute, why aren't we filling these at the point of actually shipping the product?" And so you saw a supply chain function shift where instead of filling it with air and then shipping it, you were actually filling it with air at the point that you needed it. And yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if you see innovations within food where you look at a bag and you say, how much of this is air? How can we shrink it out of there and make it just as effective in home so it's a better value? I mean, you, you know, in food, as you know, you ship a lot of air. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that is a, that's great perspective. There's going to be so much out of all of this, just like there is in every iteration, right? As we move along here with our lives, there's going to be a lot of innovation in a lot of ways. And now being, you know, for, for me, I think it was the same for you getting into food and beverage for me, it, I was opening my eyes to a lot of different things, right? A lot of new things that I hadn't seen. Um, and you you're calling out something that's that is important and that's going to take its course that's going to happen you i just noticed today so so that's a great coincidence uh, you have a book so give us the name so they can at least see it and i think there's an elephant on it i didn't know what was going on i was confused already as i was in the morning i remember i'm confused in the morning anyway so yeah. the, the minute i see you post something and there's an elephant and then I can't tell if you're serious. What is it? What's the book about? Well, look, when they sent you the media kit ahead of time, I told them to just include pictures. And, and the fact that you knew it was a book 
and you knew there was an elephant on it means we won. So uh, it's all about winning, Mark. And, and we got to know you and we said, let's nail this. Um, so look, the book, just to simplify it, it's about taking leaps. I was an uh, executive at GE. I was stuck. And you know, you think about the concept. It's called the elephant's dilemma. And when you think about an elephant, you think about the circus as an example, which is like a terribly sad story. Those big creatures from a very small age were taught to be tethered to a pole. And when they grew big and strong, they thought they were still tethered. It's just like us in corporate America. And so we find ourselves in these roles doing the same thing over and over again, wishing we could make an impact. For me, it took a long time before I was willing to take a leap. Now I did, and I went in, restructured the company and sold it. That was my first step, right? And then I started Truman's and that was another step. So the book really explores this concept of being tethered to a false reality. You know, it talks about the fact that our ancestor took huge leaps, right? I mean, not like thousands and thousands of years ago when, it, when Windex was created, but like 50 years ago, our ancestors were taking big leaps. Why can't we take leaps now and innovate? You know, you've got people on this, on this Zoom today that took leaps and the world is a better place because of it. Now, it may not be an Elon Musk-like leap, but it's a leap and we need more people doing it. Don't be tethered to a pole. That's correct, man. For the, for the 17 people who are watching this, <laughs> don't be tethered to a pole. Dude, you told me it was 20. What's going on, man? I well, fibbed, okay? I needed to get you on here. I needed the three extra. That's good stuff. All right, everybody check out Truman's. Their info is going to be there. Uh, John, that was good stuff. Uh, Stephen Clear, CPG. He he knows CPG. So I've, had, I've, I've had the, the, I've Ooh. had I've had give it to us. Tell tell us about what you've been up to uh, it, for now for for some time. But what it is that you do, what it is that you offer. The, the first the first thing is the Next Level Brands podcast, which I need to get John on. Right, let's start with that. So John podcast book, we got that together. So we do a weekly show that basically talks about emerging brands in CPG, mainly founders like yourself. You've been one of the great guests, Mark. Um, you, when you start Mark out, you don't have to worry. He keeps going. There's no, you know, right? Um, and as well as key partners. So people in packaging, people in finance, even regulatory guys. Talk about the show to put you to sleep, regulatory. So that's the podcast, the first thing. Second thing is I still do consulting. I had an agency in San Francisco for 23 years worked with big CPG. One of our clients was Clorox, uh, which John and I will talk about a little bit. So what kind of things did we do for Clorox? Well, we looked at pricing, uh, you know, disparities in pricing between both coasts, because if you're in retail on the East Coast, you're selling cheaper than you are on the West Coast. And when Clorox decided to take water out of the bottle, so we went from gallon bleach to half gallon bleach, there was this incredible opportunity that opened up nothing about the ecosystem. It was that because the, the bottles were shorter, we had four feet of space above us on every retail shelf that we needed to fill with other Clorox products. That's the kind of thing we do. So now my work is split between two things. One is I try to help out a lot of smaller aspirational startup emerging brands in basically getting them into retail, telling them what's coming, making sure they're prepared from a pricing standpoint, funding standpoint and whatever else 
And then the other half is slightly larger brands like 5 million to 20 million. I work as a fractional VP of marketing, meaning it's a marketing discipline, but it's basically done on a prioritized, but you know, part-time basis, if you will. And if that wasn't enough, one more thing, I started a business last year called Kitchen to Shelf. Kitchen to Shelf is online courses for people who want to be in CPG or who are in CPG and want to scale their businesses. Again, basically just reaching out to a wider number of people. Did you hear that? Yeah, he does it all. Steven, John, great to have you. Episode 34 is in the books. I like that one. Be well, be healthy. Peace.